Welcome to the IonHoops.com podcast with your host, Guy Flotico. Hey now, it's season three, episode 28 of the IonHoops.com podcast. And ooh, do we have a special episode for you here. How about me going head to head, one to one with new Iona head coach, Tobin Anderson. Need I say more? Our old coach, who shall not be mentioned, didn't even know my name, despite being me being in every press conference for the last three years, but whatever. That time is history. It is the Tobin Anderson era in New Rochelle, and Gale Nation is going to love what he has to say later in this episode. But first, you know them. You need them. You may even love them. It's the Iona Iotas, and we've got a bunch of stuff to catch you up on, so settle in. Iona Iotas. Really, these days, I can just play the soundbite on loop, and that would pretty much cover the college basketball landscape, and especially Iona's current roster. I mean, it's crazy. This year will be unquestionably set a record for a number of names entering the portal. It's dizzying, actually, and it affects us all. So, the list. Clayton, Nelly, Quinn, Davis, Brookshire, Florence, Jefferson, Dennis, Io, Sunday, all went to the portal. Yes, that's 10 players. 10! The only holdover right now is Osborne Shema. And let me tell you, if he stays, he will be my all-time favorite Gale for all of history. What a pair of onions it would take to say, screw it. All my brothers ditched, but I'm staying loyal to university that gave me a chance. Man, that would be something. Anyway, I should also note that Iona commit Isaiah Pasha has decommitted. Uh, which also was not unexpected. Uh, and I'm hearing that Parker Weiss, who should have a COVID year to return to the Gales roster if he wanted to, will not be doing so. Also, a shout out to Walter Clayton and uh, for she- Walt, especially Walter for shafting the coach who shall not be named and going to Florida. And congrats to Nelly and opting for New Mexico. Back to Iona. So why is Oz staying? Who knows? Maybe it's temporary. We'll have to wait and see. And it's, as always, stay tuned to my Twitter feed and anhoops.com message board for updates. Iona, Ionis. It did take Tobin Anderson long to bring in a couple of new gals. And these are easy ones, as they were former FDU commits. Hey, sometimes you got to start the low-hanging fruit. We start with a welcome to new shelter, Jeremiah Quigley, out of Bishop McNamara down in Maryland. Quigley's a 5'11 point guard. Committed to Anderson at FDU, he scored 20.5 points per game, shot 54% from the floor, made 84% of his free throws. And he's a winner. Bishop McNamara won 49 games over his two seasons there. Pure point guard, high IQ player. Has a Dennis Jenkins feel to his game if you watch his clips. Not going to stop there. We're also going to welcome, and I, I'm going to butcher his name, I'm going to just take a stab at it here, uh, Jean Aranguren to Iona. He's a 6'3 guard out of a Springfield Commonwealth Academy by way of Venezuela. Aranguren brings a D1 ready body along with a rep as a tough and relentless player. Also appears to be one of those stat sheet fillers. Originally chose FDU over Boston U and UMBC, but he did get looks from <laughs> St. John's, Seton Hall, and Hofstra earlier in his recruitment. It's exciting to see guys come into Iona given the mass exodus we just had. I know a lot of the listeners to this podcast are here for the men's updates, but if you didn't see Kate Major's display during the three-point competition as part of the Final Four festivities, 
go to the ESPN app archives and give it a watch. If you follow the Lady Gales at all, you know what kind of season Major had from downtown. But I don't know if they keep actual records for that competition, but it's hard to imagine anyone raining threes on the level she did that night, scoring more than 20 points in each round, winning the lady side, and then taking out all-world three-point shooter Anton Davis from Detroit in similar fashion. Major was just fantastic. She did wonderful things for the program that night on television, uh, even prompting a tweet out of that guy in Jamaica now. But yeah, go check out that replay. I mean, that was just legendary stuff. Congrats, Kate, on just a ridiculous display with the whole country watching. And while we're on the women, I, I can't let this go without saying farewell to Coach Coach Billy Chambers, who has taken the same job at Xavier. Good luck, Coach. You know you're always a Gale. Um, and you'll be joining another former Iona women's coach in the Big East, the legendary Tony Bazella. Iona. Iona. Oh, the three letters we all hate to think about around here. N-I-L. But wait, calm down. Settle down, Sparky. For those waiting with bated breath to find out what Iona's going to do to join the NIL party in College Hoops, stay tuned. I have it on good authority that plans are in the works for an NIL collective. Details are going to come out in the, in the coming weeks. And yes, our current players, <laughs> the, uh, new players, recruiting, re- recruits, all of that stuff are aware that we're actually in the process of doing this. So we'll see what, what happens as, as that really gets rolling. Rest assured, though, we're not just sitting around waiting for all our players to get bought away from us before we even get them to come to Iona. It's coming. It's tight. It's, you know, it's on the way. Uh, we, we're all going to be a part of it. Looking forward to getting details soon. Again, stay tuned online for details. All right. New era, new Rochelle. New segment on the pod. Covering what else? The transfer market. And we'll be calling this What Else? Your Portal. The portal taketh away, as we covered earlier in the episode, but for Iona this season, believe me, it's going to giveth as well. Here's a list of still available transfers that Iona has reportedly been in contact with. Now, again, this is only what's been reported. And as we know, you know, reporting coverage of, of, of recruiting is scarce. I'm going to bet we've been in contact with at least three times the number of players I'm going to list right now out to you. But here's the list of guys that we've contacted since uh, Tommy Anderson took over and that have not committed anywhere else as of yet. Six, seven forward uh, freshman Amari Tice from from Wofford averaged 3.6 points, 3.9 boards. Uh, 6.4, sorry, 6.4 senior guard Josh Nickelberry from LaSalle, 10.9 points, 40% three-point field goal shooting, 80% free throw shooting. 6.7 junior forward Miles Foster from Monmouth, 12.5 points, 6.6 boards, 46% shooting. 6.4 junior guard Yaz, I'm going to call him Zid. I like Zid. Zid Powell from Buffalo, 13 points, 4.1 rebounds, 2.7 assists, 1.9 steals, 79% free throw shooting. 6'9", sophomore forward, Sean Dewar-Gordon from Austin P. 12.4 points, 6 rebounds, 31% three-point shooting. 6'9", senior forward, Langston Wilson from Washington, 1.7 points, 1.9 rebounds. 6.4 junior guard Shamir Bogues from Tarleton, 
9.5 points, 3.6 rebounds, two steals, 54% shooting, 36% three-point shooting. Six point, sorry, six two senior guard Akul Kot, Division two All American from Fort Lewis, twenty five points per game, three rebounds, two assists, forty percent three point field goal shooting. Six three junior guard Tyler Henry from Southern Indiana, seven point eight points, two point five rebounds, thirty one percent three point field goal shooting, seventy eight percent free throw shooting. Six ten junior forward center Drew Cisse. From Missouri St. Louis, that's a Division II program. 5.2 points, 6.6 rebounds, 1.5 blocks, 65% field goal shooting. 6'3, sophomore guard Pierce Spencer from Nichols. 7.7 points, 4.2 rebounds, 2.9 assists, 30% three point field goal, all league defender. Again, this is only what I've seen reported. I guarantee you we have recruited many, many, many other players. Even just in a recent space, Tony Anderson, uh, Twitter space, uh, Tobin Anderson made a comment that he had a Zoom call with 15 people just like yesterday or something. So, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're talking to people. Trust me. This is just what's been reported. But at least you get a flavor of the mix. But what I do see on this list is we're hitting a balance of all positions in our transfer wish, wish list, maybe except for center, with the exception of CSA. Perhaps bodes well that Oz will be sticking around. We'll see. Uh, the other thing, for those of you who are negative Nellies, and you know who you are, about why are we recruiting Division II kids? That makes no sense. This is much, much more common than you think, even at the higher levels than you realize. If, you, if you're questioning it, here's an example. One D2 kid just signed at, with Memphis. So we will see how it all shakes out. One thing's for sure. The portal never sleeps. So keep an eye on ionhoops.com and my Twitter account for any new info regarding the transfer market. And while Anderson and staff have focused recruiting efforts on FDU recommits and the portal, let's not forget high schoolers and JUCO players. We now go to an actual offer roundup. I'm going to make them an offer I can't refuse. How about this for an odd twist of fate? Former St. John's commit Harrison Reed, a sharpshooting guard out of Arizona, was offered by the Iowa staff. Reed shot 44% from three last season and had committed to St. John's back in December. Here's hoping we continue this trend of going after some of the more talented options being discarded by the <clears throat> new regime in Jamaica. couple others. How about 6'3", St. Thomas Moore guard Justin Menard, class of 2024, pass first guard, 1,000 Albany Sacred Heart and but interest from bigger conference schools such as Pitt, LaSalle, and Air Force. And we go younger with this last one. Brady Laughlin out of Don Bosco, class of 2025 shooting guard, 6'5", known as a three-point sniper, just starting to get noticed. So nice work by the staff to get on him early. All right. I think I've made you all wait long enough. You've heard me babbling for more than 10 minutes now. I am now proud to, sh proud to share with you my one-on-one -on -one conversation with new Iona coach Tobin Anderson. It is my pleasure to welcome new Iona University head basketball coach Tobin Anderson to the IonaHoops.com podcast. Coach, welcome to Iona and welcome to the pod. Thank you, Guy. I'm um, happy to be here. Happy to be on the podcast. 
So everyone who starts off interviews with you these days goes right into FDU Purdue. Um, <laughs> that's the day you became more of a household name for everybody for sure. But on this podcast, we do things a little different and I'm going to prove it. Four years ago to this day, the Islander message board was talking about possible replacements for, for Tim Kloos. At the time, we all kind of assumed Jared Grosso was going to come back and get the job or whatever. But I posted on the message board four years ago to that day, April 11th, 2019. And I quote, if it's not Grosso, I want Tobin Anderson. Now, how about that? So here we are four years to the day. You're the Iona coach and you're sitting here talking to me. I just had to get out there because we keep it real on this podcast. So I appreciate the support. Like, I guess that's, you're, you're the first guy to jump on board. So I, I do appreciate that. <laughs> so of course you were a finalist for the Iona job back in 2020 when instead Iona went with some unknown named Rick Patino over you, the nerve of Iona doing that. <laughs> Um, but let's revisit these past few weeks for you. Uh, it's been quite the whirlwind for Iona. It's also been quite the whirlwind for you. Uh, I know you've been asked about different aspects of Purdue. I know we had to have to start there, uh, but I'm going to throw hopefully a different kind of question out to you about that game. Um, what happened during the game that maybe was a surprise to you that, you know, you, obviously you knew you needed to do play well, you needed certain things to go well in the game for you to have a chance, but was there something that was going on during the game that you were like, huh, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, I think it was kind of the fact that they had a couple guys who who were um, highly acclaimed high school players that were, you know, either top 100 players or Mr. Basketballs that literally looked afraid to make plays in, the, in, the, in a big game like that. And so I think when the game started, we were just hoping to hang around. And then, you know, you saw a couple guys who you thought could be dangerous players for them, not um, miss a couple of shots and start getting hesitant. So it was amazing how, you know, and I use this term very respectfully, fragile it they were kind of like for a team that's for an unbelievable team for a, for a team that won the big 10 by four games like you'd think he'd just come out and just bulldoze us and, and put us away and it wouldn't be wouldn't be an issue and it was like the more we kind of hung around even the first half it was kind of like they were, they were like surprised we were still there and like we had we had, had a pretty good year where you know we we had won it was our we had won 20 at that point we played great two nights ago prior to that against texas southern so we had we had um you know, we're not this just a, a gimmick or something. And so I think the, the first half, the fact that they were kind of like um, tentative even then was, was a surprise to me. And like our, it gave our guys confidence that we could play with them. You know, in a game like that, like you get down 12 to 2 and they kind of ex exert their will, it's easy to just kind of say, hey, they're the number one, the number one seed, they're the Big Ten champions. We don't, we don't belong at this level. And we didn't – we got confidence by just – by being – there the whole way through. So I was pretty, pretty surprised by our confidence because we were, we were very confident. It was not, not nothing, you know, like the coaching staff did. Our guys just, you know, felt like they belonged in the lack of their confidence at a certain point. If that makes sense to you. Yeah. Yeah. No. And was there something on, on your side that you saw that was going on that you didn't see coming? You know, Sean Moore played the kids. Sean Moore played great. The, the three man, he was just terrific. He's, you know, he's from Ohio. So he, we had played Finley, a Division II team in Ohio the prior year, and he had like 18 and eight. And then against Texas Southern, he was fantastic. So it was kind of like maybe just to play more games in Ohio for him because he's from Ohio. So I mean, he was, he was just unbelievable the whole time we were out there. And like he had a, he had a look in his eye, kind of like, hey, I'm, I'm going to be the best guy on the floor tonight. And he played like it. So, um, he, and he, he came into the game averaging like seven or eight points a game, you know, not having an unbelievable year. And he played like a, you know, like a player of the year 
oh, potential All-American player. That and that's what that's what it takes sometimes, you know. And we we always saw it in him, but it was the first time he I think he he saw for himself how good he could be. So I think it was good to see a guy like that. Really, our guards were good. We had really good guards. So I'm, I was not surprised they played well. But the way Sean played was, was just a was a big thing for us. Mm, okay. All right. So I have to throw this out there. Valvano, Kennedy, Welsh, Ruland, Willard, Cluis, Patino. <laughs> That's a heck of a list of coaches right there. Yep. All of these guys combined have fewer NCAA tournament wins at Iona than you had at FDU. I just want to throw that out there. Just, just no pressure or anything. <laughs> just saying. Just got to make sure I have to say that. That's all. Well, I, I appreciate you saying that because that is a true statement. So, I mean, I, I, they, they're, they're combined have a lot more wins than I do overall. <laughs> yeah, it, is, it is a true statement, and, and I'll and I guess that's my. Um, but I'll, I'll I'll go to go to war with that with that with those numbers. So that's that's a, that's a good thing, you know. So, so you're following a Hall of Famer, considering one of the the game the college game's greatest coaches ever, one of the greatest innovators the game's ever seen. How do you follow? How do you do that? How do you follow them? Well, it's funny because when I was up for the interview last time uh, four years ago. I was like, well, how do you follow Tim Kloos? I mean, Tim Kloos, what he had done was incredible. So I'm like, man, I would not want to follow Tim Kloos. That's that's a guy you do not want to follow, right? Then they hired, of course, Hall of Famer Rick Pitino. Not easy to follow either. So, um, I mean, I don't think there's any coach at Iona that you don't want to, you, you want to follow for the most part. They've all been very successful. So, you know, I think there's the fact that you got to be yourself. You got to, you got, you know, I don't, you know, we're we're going to play how we play. We're going to do things how we do things. I can't be Rick Pitino. I can't be Tim Kloos. You know, I've talked to all of them, which was the good, the good part. I've talked to like, every one of those guys you named. Mm-hmm. I've talked to on the phone at some point in the last uh, the last uh, two weeks, which is great. Yeah. And they've all said the same thing. There's there's something about Iona. You know, it goes beyond the coaching, beyond the the X and O's, beyond the it just you know it's it's a place that's built for winning. So as a coach, that makes you feel good that there is a um, things in place here to be successful. And like you know, I think people have to understand when you're when you're a coach and you're wired to coach. You know, you want to win all the time anyway. So there, there's no pressure. Like I, I like I, I guess at my press con, I feel pressure watching my son run cross country. I feel pressure watching my daughter in a dance recital trying to get a perfect score. I feel pre- I can't, I can't control that. Right? Mm. As a coach, I got a little bit more control over things. I can kind of control our staff, who we recruit, how we play, how we practice. So I got a lot more control. So and we we want to win all the time anyway. So there's no. I'm not thinking to myself, well, I got to follow Patino. I'm not, we're gonna do. We want to win because we want to win, you know. And like I like I said a few times by other other interviews, like once you've been to the tournament and you've won, it's such an addictive thing. It's such a wonderful thing that you want to get back there and do it again. And I want our players to experience that. I want our I want our program to experience that. I want our I want our uh, fans to experience that. And um and I want to experience. I want to get back there and and do that again. I mean, there's just a lot of great things about that. So I don't think there's any difference in who you follow for the most part, you know, I mean, it, does it make it easier sometimes following a guy who's not a great coach? Maybe so, but like that, that program usually has problems too, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Okay. So we, we, uh, every eye on a fan I know has been kind of following you around all these in, on the interviewer to interviewer two that you've been on here, all these interviews you've been doing, people have been watching. So we, we know the story about how uh, you got the eye on a job. You got a text from president Kerry after uh, the day after FEU uh, and the rest is history, but, Obviously, the groundwork for this was laid back in 2020, right? Yep. Yep. No, I, we had d- developed a good, good relationship then, and we'd always stayed in touch. And and um, I think part of the deal is you kind of you kind of think that you know Coach Patino might not stay. Although he said he would stay, pretty good vibe that he wouldn't stay for for a super long time. So it, it could come open again, and 
it's a job that I wanted. It's a job that I, there's a lot of people, you know, after making our run and even the, the success before the tournament was pretty good too. So there's a lot of people reaching out. This is a job that I was, that I wanted, you know, it's a place I wanted to be. So it kind of worked both ways there. Okay. Um, and I'm going to guess the overwhelming majority of people listening to this have no D1 coaching experience. So take us through it. You've, you've, you've been offered the job. It's been a few weeks now. Uh, you have to manage everything. You have to, you have to deal with all the guys who already on, were on the team. You have to recruit, you have to figure out your staff, take us through that process and how quickly things happened in your mind. <laughs> For Iona. Yeah. Yeah, no. So, well, like, because the, the funny part is we just went through it 10 months ago or 11 months ago when I had FTU, the exact same, you know, kind of the same thing going from division two, division one. So, um, most of my staff who came from Stack from St. Thomas has come with me to, to uh, Iona. So we have a a year. I'm a much better coach now and ready for this job by being at FDU for a year because I kind of saw the Division One, what it's like, the scheduling, the 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 flow, that how things work. Like I'm better for and my staff is way better for for going through that too. So um, yeah, it's it's great that we had a, a year there, um, getting that experience. So. Yeah, putting the staff together is huge. But like for me, that was I, I brought three guys from, from from FDU. I brought Ray Savage, our DBO. I brought Tom Bonnicum. I brought Cam Morrell. I brought a great bunch of guys with me. Jack Castleberry stayed to be the FDU head coach. I brought a guy that I knew from a long Pat Wallace from Loyola Chicago, who I've known for a long time. So that that came together pretty quickly. Obviously, the next part is the roster, and we're still obviously figuring that whole thing out. That um, that's the next part of things like who's staying, who's coming, who's going, um, what's the situation. So that part's been a little more of a up and down thing. And and um, most places you go to, they have a group of guys who's staying, you know, whether it's six, five, four, you know, this is a whole different animal because for the most part, everybody's left, you know. And it's one of the things I'm, I'm most proud about when I've left jobs, like when I left Stack, they they went 25 and 26 and five this year. We had put in a culture that was used to winning and that culture persevered whether Tobin Anderson was there or the next coach was there at FDU. We left FDU and they're going to be very good again next year. You know, um, I own has been good, but like there's not much foundation here that was left. So we're kind of having to build it from scratch. It's just, that's just reality. It's just what it is. So yeah. I have no problem with that. I, it's, a, it's a challenge, but it's, it's, you know, it's a little bit different instead of recruiting five or six or seven guys, we're trying to get, you know, 12 and, um, that's a little bit different of a challenge, but it's, you know, listen, we're, we're not, we're not going to stop working or, you know, until we get it figured out. Um, that, that was one thing I was going to ask you is there, there was just based on what we see online, one, one holdover, is that going to stay true or is, is he going to, man, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I hope, I hope so. he's a wonderful, he's a wonderful. And then here's the thing too, guy, they're, they're all wonderful. They're all, they're great kids. They're wonderful kids. They're, 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 there's, um, you know, sometimes you take over a program and there's a couple of guys where jerks got in trouble. That, that's not the case at all. They're good kids. So I wish them all well going someplace else. Um, yeah, we love Oz. Hope Oz. Hope Oz stays. He's terrific. He's been in the gym working. Um, you know, we're not we're not doing a lot of, you know, we can't we can't do a whole team workout, but we've we've had him in there working and he's a great kid. And yeah, we hope it hope it he ends up staying and we'll be a big part of things. We 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 see him fitting into our style of play very well. You know, how we're gonna do things. We see we saw a few guys sitting in our fitting in our style of play, but Sometimes, you know, it's hard. We're new, yeah. so they don't they don't know us as well. So the one good thing is they saw us play in the NCAA tournament at FTU. So it's like this is this is a good style. If you're a player who likes to play fast and likes offense and likes up tempo and likes to to uh, be be aggressive and attack, 
It's a great style for those guys. So I think a couple guys, you know, could have thrived in this system, but they chose otherwise. And I can't control that. So we, we move on and find other guys that are out there. If, if, if certain guys, I can't say all guys, but if certain guys that went to the portal came, wanted to come back, would you be willing to take certain one, certain ones back? Maybe that's a conversation we'd have to have, you know, for sure. No, I'm, I'm open to anything, you know, at this, at this stage, we're open to all, all situations, all, all, uh, you know, each guy's kind of on their own, kind of doing their own thing. And, and, um, you know, I think like anybody, sometimes they get good advice sometimes they get bad advice and the portal's a, the portal is a, um, is a place where like, you know, I'm not sure all the things that happen there are true. And, and like you hear rumors and there's stories and there's NIL, NIL money and things like that. It's almost like if you're not in the portal, you don't, you're not really sure what's true, what's not true. So let's go check out what's, what's happening there. Well, you know, you go check out things. We're going to check out things too. And, mm. you know, does that all come back together? Again? I don't, I don't know, but um, no, we, you know, we're open to all, to all situations. Like I said, they're all, they're all good kids. They're all, they're all, there's no problems ac- academically at all. There's no problems as far as, um, you know, getting in trouble off, off, out of, off the court. So that part's good. So mm. yeah, we're, you know, well, the first day we had workouts, we had six or seven guys there and I was hoping those six or seven would stay the same and it didn't. Mm. So, yeah. you know, it happens. That's the life of college basketball. It's a little bit, a little bit tougher challenge we thought, but, but not nothing, nothing we can't handle. Before we, before we get into more on the portal about what you might be looking for in there, uh, let's keep it broad. I'll give you the soapbox for a minute. Is the portal good or bad for college basketball? And while you're on it, go ahead and share your thoughts about NIL. Yeah. So, all right. Well, it's hard for me to say the portal is bad. I just, I just left a job after one year at FDU. So I can't, I'd be hypocritical to say that you can't go in the portal after one year. Cause I just went to FDU and a, the guy, they just gave me a, a, a tremendous job. So I think for any, for any young man or woman, you're trying to find the, the best situation, right? So if you don't think you're in the best situation for you athletically, um, academically, socially, that you should be st- stuck in a situation you, you don't like. So the portal can be a good thing. The portal can be a great thing for, for someone who's not getting enough playing time, um, roles different, not fitting in with it, with the staff, things like that, right? It can also be a bad thing where people who, obviously for guys who need, who who can, uh, like, for example, right? My point, my guard, Grant Singleton, who played for me at FDU, had a great NCAA tournament, was one of the best players on the court every night. He had a huge, tremendous success. He averaged like three points a game as a freshman. Played like eight minutes a game. He could have gone, you know, today's day and age, he'd gone to the portal and gone someplace else. He stuck around, hung, hung in there, became a starter the next year, was a Division II All-American, comes to FDU, ends up being a 14-point-a-game scorer, has a great year. And all because he kind of just said, you know what, I, I need to get better. I need to fight through some things. I need to suck it up. So that part, that part of guys leaving when there's a little bit of adversity, a little bit of a little bit of a challenge, mm-hmm. things are not going perfectly, that part's not good. You know, so it depends on why you're going to the portal, you know, and then you talk about NIL, NIL money. It's like same thing. A, a, a person should not choose a school. A player should not choose a school based on um, NIL. It should be based on the, the school, the quality of school, the fit, the fit with the coaching staff, the style of play, the tradition. And then if there's some NIL money in addition to that, I think that's a good thing. You know, like that's a, they, they should be compensated. We're all, you know, I'm compensated well. Coaches are compensated well. Um, the player should get a piece of the piece of the pie. I have no problem with that at all. But if that's the only thing that's driving your decision, then that's going to be a problem down the road. Because if the fit's not good, if the coaching, the relationship's not good, if the tradition, the style, all that kind of stuff's not good, or the academic piece is not good, it's not going to work out in the long run. And like at the end of the day, you got four years to play college basketball. You kind of need to get it right 
if not the first time, for sure the second time. And so, yeah, he's, you know, obviously I'm, I'm a guy who's, I, I watch, I watch a lot of Mac games. I watch a lot of A-10 games. I watch, I watch Division three games. I watch Division two games. I know most of the players that are out there. I see a lot of guys making um, bad decisions on portal stuff, but I also see some guys making good decisions too. So it's like, you can't say it's all good, all bad. It's up to the individual. And, and, but I think there's a little bit of the idea that, Hey, let's go test the waters just to test the waters. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not a good decision. I don't mm-hmm. think. Okay. All right. Well, I think we're going to have an all time high of kids entering the portal this year. Oh. High majors, mids, low majors, D2 kids. Yep. How do you make sense of it all? I mean, I'm one of those idiots that I see kids in the portal. I'm not even coaching, but I'm like, Ooh, you know, I like a kid, like going grocery shopping or something. I'm guessing you're a bit more focused. You have certain things that you're looking for. Obviously you're looking for something to fit your system, but what is that? Somebody in the portal, especially could be different, could be a senior, could be a sophomore, but do what are you looking for when you look for somebody in the portal? I'm a big relationship guy. So like for me, I, I don't like recruiting a kid. I don't, I don't know or I don't know of of them as far as like their coach, their AU coach, their um, played for a friend of mine, something like that. So for me, like our first thing was like, let's find guys we know. Let's not just go to the portal, start calling every guy in the portal and just chasing guys down. So we, so we started off with guys, you know, either, either played against them in the conference or recruited them before or um, have a good, have a good relationship with a coach or something like that. Right. So then it's style of play. Then it's like who fits into that. And style of play is not just, it's also how do you fit into how um, our program. So we are a basketball pro. I mean, I'm, I'm a son of a coach. I, li- I live in a gym. I'm a gym rat. Like we're going to work hard. Like we got to find guys who love basketball. If you don't, if you don't love basketball, you shouldn't come to Iona. You know, and I love, love can be not as that to be like, I, I'm crazy. Like they don't have to be as crazy as I am, but like, you got to like working hard, being in the gym, getting better, being part of something bigger than yourself, being able to sacrifice, be unselfish, certain character characteristics that go beyond the basketball stuff. You know, you got to be a good person, do the right things, high character. And then you got to be able to play our system, which is up-tempo. Um, we like to press. We like to play fast. We like uh, open post motion. We like to, we like to get the ball moving, uh, be hard to guard. So we look for guys that, that fit that those qualities, but we've been able to find guys throughout my career, especially at Stack and at, at FDU, that um, no matter what their skill set was, we can find a way to blend them into how we play. We had a we had a we had a five minute FDU this year. Our starting five was a great shooter. That's what we, the best thing he did was shoot the ball three point shooter. His backup could make a shot outside of five feet, right? But they both were really good for us because they were different. One guy was a shooter, one guy was more of a, a roller, a post guy, a physical guy. So we can we can make do no matter what. But the part that that I can't compromise is um, the hard work, high character, uh, good kid, do the right things. I love guys with a high basketball IQ, mm-hmm. guys who come from good programs. Winning programs are, is important to us. One guys that win. Like when I brought my guys from FTU or from Stack to FTU, those guys were used to winning. You know, besides the fact they're good players, they knew how to prepare for practice, prepare for games, prepare for the season. Um, they had winning winning characteristics that made them made them good players. So. We want guys that are used to win and doing the right things, and uh, they know what they know what a good locker room looks like. They know what a good practice looks like. They know what a good um, preparation looks like. So yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of things that go into that, but um, those intangibles are hard to beat. So in the, this world of the portal, people forget, hey, there's still high school kids out there. There's still JUCO players out there. 
Um, you were able to re-recruit a couple of your commits from FDU uh, to, to join us at Iona. I know you can't comment since they haven't signed yet, but um, they seem like good fits for your system. But I'm going to ask, so I'll ask more broad question. In this age of the portal, how has that changed how you recruit high school kids or even JUCOs? Yeah, so we're, and we're, you'll find out I can't divulge any information at this point, but there, there will be, I love our high school class coming in, you know, and it goes beyond, we've actually got some good news today. Today's a good day for us. So we got some good news. We can't really, probably won't nothing will come out for a while. Okay. But, um, but no, I, and I, especially the high school front there, we got, we have some guys. So, you know, with the situation we're in building a a whole new team, there's gotta be two, two thought processes. One is the long term, right. Which is high school guys going to get better, going to improve. Still, still can play for us next year, but have a chance to be really good players down the road and help us into the future. And then also the short term is we need some older guys who can play mature enough, strong enough, um, experienced enough to play right away. So we're trying to balance both. Like what's the long term? What's the short term? I do think what you kind of alluded to is there's more value right now in high school guys who are being under-recruited because people are relying on the portal to solve problems, where if you do your work early, do a good job recruiting, you can find great high school players um, that back in November and October are being undervalued because everybody's going to wait for the portal. And you get those guys early, like the guys we had signed, when they decommitted, they were getting recruited by all kinds of mid to high majors. And we stole them early because nobody else was on them. So we're our staff is committed to finding good young high school players that we think are good for our system that can be really good for us. And then supplement that with the uh, the portal and the transfers and things like that. And obviously this year, this year more of an emphasis on transfers because of the fact that we have to fill some some major holes right away. Mm. But but I, I think there's a lot of, I'm with you. There's a lot of good high school players out there that are being under recruited. And we're definitely gonna gonna spend some time on high school players. And what uh, is your how about your approach to ju- junior college players? Is yep. it similar? Similar, very similar. Yep. I mean uh, I got the job on Monday by by Tuesday my top assistant, Tom Bonica, was in Hutchinson, Kansas for the National Junior College uh, National Tournament. He was there. He flew, we flew back from Columbus, and he was happy to see his family. And then he said, well, I said, hey, I'm going to Iona. We're, going, we're all going to Iona. And he's like, I said, you got to be in Hutchinson tomorrow night for the, for the tournament. So he flew, he flew there the next, the next day. So we think there's a lot of value in junior, junior college players, too. It's, when, when COVID was – when those guys had COVID years, a lot of them had three years instead of two. That was a big advantage. Now we're kind of back to having two years. I'd prefer to have a guy with three years or four years, but we'll still find good, good junior college players. Okay. And, you know? and, and on, well, for, I guess each level, this is probably true. Um, the big schools kind of get their pick of the litter first. Um, do you almost intentionally then as, uh, and this is just trying to understand the whole idea philosophy of recruiting the portal for, especially yep. do you almost wait it out a little bit and see, okay, there's this really good player that nobody's picked up. What are they missing? You know, uh, you know, is it are you, is it almost some of that involved too? That you kind of just see what's left and what you can go chase then, because all of a sudden those kids are thinking, oh, I should have gone high major, I didn't go, so now they're available to you. Yeah, you got to be patient. Like you know, I know I know that there's probably a, a groundswell of people saying, hey, what you know, we, let's get guys signed right now. We need, yes. we need a team right now. It's, it's you know, it's, it's April. What is April? It's April 11th, yeah. right? So, and we've been through this before. It's on our first rodeo, so to speak. So it's like. I, the mistakes you make sometimes are mistakes you make by being in a hurry or by jumping at things that aren't there for you. So like, you know, we're going to be patient, not, not, you know, I'm not super patient, but patient enough to make sure it's the right guys. And like you said, there's, there are guys right now who are being recruited at a really high level that I think will come back down to where they, where we can recruit them. You know, mm-hmm. there's also guys that are, that are 
Um, we're digging up on guys that are being recruited, you know, at our level or below who we think are better than better than that. So we're trying to get them more involved too. So, um, cause I think recruiting is, is evaluations. You know, we're not going off of a top 100 or top 200 or four star or three star. It's like who fits. I mean, like you look at the, I own a roster. I don't think, I don't think Walter Clayton was, was too high acclaimed coming into Iona mm. ends up being the Mac player of the year. You know, yeah. JV McCollum at Siena, who we, we scrimmaged against this year, was not too highly acclaimed going to Siena. Ends up being one of the best guards in the in the in the conference. So um, it's about evaluating and taking your time and doing your research and watching tape and watching and making phone calls and doing all that kind of stuff and not jumping to the first person who's available. Mm. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. And, and I, like you said it exactly right there, there are fans who were like, when are we going to get a command? I'm seeing all these commits flying around. And it's like, you know, uh, I like to be like the buffer and, and Brian will tell you this too. Uh, uh, you know, if the fans get too high, I like to bring them down a little bit. If they get too low, I like to bring them back up. So that that's kind of the role I serve in my spot. As a buffer, tell everybody just not to panic. We're, we're, we're in good shape. We we're bet We're doing better than, than Twitter thinks we are right now. I, I feel <laughs> I wouldn't be doing this interview if I didn't feel fairly confident about which the direction we're heading into. So I, I'd be like on the, I'll be, I'll be on like 10 more zooms tonight, but I feel very confident about the direction we're heading. I feel very good about what's going on. Um, you just can't publicly say a whole lot right now. Right. And you know, that's, that's why you got to keep things quiet. But I think by the time we get to um, our roster, people will be excited about what where, where we're heading. Uh, just a, a quick thing. I also want to kind of prove to some fans too. Um, I, I don't know. There's maybe been about 15 or 20 reports of Iona contacting players in the portal. In reality, that number is like at least triple that, right? Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, like it's, <laughs> I got Pat Wallace, my assistant from Loyola. He's a machine. I mean, I think he's talked to every guy in the portal and then, I mean, he just talks to everybody. I'll, like, I'll be like, Hey, how's this kid? I talked to him this morning. How's I told him? It was so weird. No, they we we've talked to, I can't tell you how many guys I talked to. It's been, it's been a lot. So yeah, you can't, you can't believe all that stuff. And some guys, like you said, some of the, some of the higher level guys may not include you right now, yeah. but give them about a week. And all of a sudden you're, you're maybe in the top of their list. And <laughs> That's things right. move, things move dramatically on a day by day basis. So we just try to hang in there. And that's the good thing about having an experienced staff and, and our experience and going through it last year at FDU is we're not going to get too high, too low, but um, you know, we're, some, we're, we want to be, a, we want to put together a team that can compete for a MAC championship next year. Like that's, that's, there's no, there's no, Hey, we're going to, it's not, there's no four-year project. There's no, mm. you know, this is like, we, we want to win right now. And so there's enough guys out there. We're trying to find the right guys, but we know we feel, we feel good. And we're, yeah, we're hitting, we're hitting everybody, man. If they had the old, if they had the old, the phone logs or the phone bills. I mean, our phones are, it's, <laughs> it is nonstop, but um, we feel good about it. Okay, so let's uh, let's switch to um, uh, non-conference scheduling. That's another yep. always big topic. And the last three and coaches, uh, Willard, Clues, and Patino, had very unique approaches to non-conference scheduling. Willard didn't mind playing guarantee games, also getting us into those major MTE events. Tim Clues uh, would play a couple guarantee games, but preferred the lower-profile MTEs. Patino absolutely refused to play guarantee games or MTEs, just wanted as many neutral site games as possible in all the arenas around New York. Um, you've won okay. Iona to play a challenging schedule, I'm sure. But what does that mean for you? What can Iona fans expect regarding our schedule next year and beyond? Yeah, I'll probably be a little bit of a mix, a mix of the, the three of them. Like I do believe in going playing a higher profile, like a you know, a guarantee game, but like a, I want to go play a, a, one of the big boys. You know, you want to go play somebody who 
who, um, you know, at their place, I want to go play in an environment where it's a, it's a great environment, like a great crowd, traditional power. You don't want to go someplace and play in front of, in front of nobody just, I mean, just because they're a top 30 team or whatever. Let's go to a good place, play somebody good who's, who's, uh, who's going to get us a little bit of notice, maybe get us on national TV, that kind of thing. So I'm, I'm all for playing, you know, not a steady diet of those teams, but at least, at least like one of those teams, I think per year. And then it's a matter of, um, I like playing the, 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 I'm a big rivalry guy. You know, I grew up in the Midwest. So I'm, you know, I, I love the, when you play against other, you know, the back there, it's like high school rivalries and stuff like that. Like we should be playing some of these schools around us, some of the better schools, you know, I'm not sure I want to name names, but there's schools out there that I like to play on a home and home basis every year that are, that are in the neighborhood, you know, within, within a 30 minute drive, you, mm -hmm. you can probably figure that out who that, who yeah. that is. We've made overtures already about doing that. Cause I mean, I want to go play, you know, just, we'll, we'll drive. let's go play Fordham, right? Let's go play Fordham home and home. Fordham's had a great year. Keith's a good friend of mine. Like that's a great game for both of us yeah. to play. It's people get, get excited about it. I love to play that game home and home. Um, other teams are you know, local, local to us too, and good teams, you know, successful teams. And then like, you know, MTEs, yeah, let's go play in some good MTEs. You know, teams will help us with our um, overall kind of the, the, the rankings and the, and the computer stuff and then the net and all that kind of thing, the quads and play some teams that are, that are comparable to us and, and above us. And, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we're trying to get ready for the conference season, you know? So I think playing the most competitive schedule possible, playing in, in some, some good environments, playing some big games is going to help us. And like, like I talked about my press conference, we want to get ready to go try to, you know, obviously want, want to win and it's hard like to go to win the Mac and to go to the tournament's a hard thing to do. But once you get there, you'd like to win a game, you know, like you'd like to go in, win two games. And so we're going to try to get ourselves in position to do that. And that's going to be a challenging schedule without a doubt. There's no, you're not going to get any better by playing um, a bunch of teams you can drill and beat, beat. That's just not going to help you mm. for, the, for that standpoint. So, I mean, you got to play some games you can win, obviously at some point or some games that are favorable, but like, we're not going to play a lot of those games, but I like traditional rivalries. Let's go play at least one big team a season just to go play them and see what happens. And then, you know, sprinkle in some, some games that make sense to us from a geographic standpoint. All right. Um, while we're on scheduling, let's talk about uh, Heinz. First of all, your impressions of Heinz. And then the second part of that is, um, I think we saw at Fordham this year, you brought up Fordham. What a fan, what a fan, what it looks like when you have great student participation. Iona's has been uneven over the years. Uh, it was a little better this past year. Um, how do you build that? Yep. How, how do you build it? Well, first of all, I was really impressed watching the games on TV. Just the, the, the atmosphere at Heinz, the, there was a great crowd. You know, I think it was a, you know, pretty much a sellout for most of the last half of the year. Uh, good turnout. But like I thought the same thing you thought. It was a little bit quiet, a little bit, little bit uh, you know, uh, it wasn't, wasn't crazy. It wasn't like Fordham. You know, I didn't see – now, Fordham was a little bit, you know, they had people's shirts off and going crazy and, and throwing, you know, going – but I, that's, that's what players want to play in front of. You know, the, the Cameron Indoor Stadium, the Gonzaga – Places like that where it's like a, a crazy environment, that's what um, attracts students. You know, they, they, you know, my, my, my son's a junior in high school. He wants to go to a place that has big-time athletics, wants to go to a place that has, that has uh, great crowds, great atmosphere. So I think that that kind of atmosphere could help the basketball program, but also help the whole school too. So we're going to do all we can. First of all, you got to put a, a product out there that people want to go watch. You wanna, we're going to play fast. We're going to play up-tempo. We're going to play exciting stand -up, uh, uh, brand of basketball where people enjoy watching it. But I'm going to do all we can on campus here, and I, you know, I'll be surprised because every student I've I've walked by, and I've been on campus for two weeks now, and I walk around. I'm a big. I just ate in the cafeteria today. 
Like I walk around campus all the time. Like I'm, you'll see me all, you know, here all, all hours of the night. Um, every student said hello. Every student said, hey, coach, can't wait for next season. Can't wait for the season. Like I'm like, you know, when, how's recruiting going? Like they're all engaged. So that's great. I think, I think we'll do all we can. I'll speak in the dining halls. I'll speak at the, in the dorms. We'll get people excited. We'll do some pregame stuff. We'll throw out, we'll hand out T-shirts, whatever we can do to make this the hardest place to play on the East Coast. You know, because listen, Heinz is the kind of place where they're on top of you too. You know, you can make that into an, into an incredible home court advantage where it's it's people don't want to play there. So mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of potential, even as good as it is now, and I appreciate that the school's done a great job making it even better. Let's try to get even more, a little bit more cra- crazier. Speaking of home court advantage, uh, you you know, obviously, as somebody who watches the MAC uh, before this, uh, the MAC has a uh, neutral site for the MAC tournament. Yep. You know, all twenty two teams are there. Um, but you know, you're used to uh, the NEC now, and you've seen other leagues like the American East does it, where you know they do it on campus. Is the MAC making a mistake, or do you do you think it should be special and be held in an arena? Well, I want to be. I want to be fairly careful about i know there's been some, some other people who might <laughs> don't get in trouble yeah we've been more negative about the whole thing so i mean i don't think there's much i can do like we just signed a three year, three-year contract to to be an ac so there's no point in me complaining about the whole thing um what i will say is like you know if you if you can get that get that going and get it get a good neutral site atmosphere for a tournament that, that's awesome i do love the home courts i do i think just being through division three division two nec like you're guaranteed a great atmosphere every single game you know and i just there's a place that's packed People like that kind of stuff, so I know I, I love, I love that. But I also can see the neutral site situation too. I do think there should be more of a reward for winning the conference. I mean, it's hard to go through three months of a conference and win the conference and be the champion. You should get more of a advantage going to the tournament. I do agree. I do agree with that because that's you put your work in. You've done what you're supposed to do. So I, I can see that. So yeah, I mean, I'm you know that debate probably is not even worth having right now because we're kind of we're kind of locked in for the next three years. But I do like the home court stuff. But I, listen, we're going to AC. That's that's the plan, and that's how it's going to be. And we got to figure out how to win that tournament down there on a neutral court in, in Atlantic City. So um, I know I know I own a travels fans well. We have a, a, a great following. So let's get as many people down there as we can and make it our, into a to a, a strong Iona contingent. You know, I mean, I know when I was at Siena, you know, for two years as an assistant, yeah. and and before I and they were playing at, at, in Albany for the, those three years when Fran was there and. They had a pretty pretty good success there. I also don't think it's fair to reward a team who has not won the conference by playing on their home court. I don't think I don't think I don't think I do I do not agree with that at all. And I've been in that situation before, so I'm not a big fan of that either. Hmm. All right. Well, coach, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on podcast. It's uh, the fan base is really excited, as you can tell, even by my enthusiasm just talking to you. Uh, we can't wait for next season to get here. I'm sure you're glad you have some time because you have a roster to build. Uh, <laughs> but thank you for taking time out to join us here. And uh, again, welcome to New Rochelle, and uh, we'll stay in touch. Awesome, thanks, guy. I really appreciate it. appreciate all the fans' passion, their their excitement, their enthusiasm. And trust me, I'm I'm right there with them, and we're excited about what we're building, and and uh, we'll get there. Trust me. Well, I we believe in you. So, <laughs> thanks, right. thanks, thanks again for coming on. I appreciate it, and we'll we'll catch up again down the line. Great, thanks, guy. Thank you. Thanks again to Coach Tobin Anderson for joining the iNoops.com podcast. How about that? I don't think that uh, the old coach even knew we had a podcast. Anyway, uh, it's going to be a great offseason, people, as we fill this roster. Thanks again for listening, and go Gales! Thank you for listening to this edition of the iOnahoops.com podcast. 
This podcast is a production of IonaHoops.com with publisher Guy Filatico. The opinions shared during this podcast are those of Guy Filatico, IonaHoops.com, and any featured guests. This podcast is not affiliated with Iona University Athletics or the university itself. Thank you for supporting IonaHoops.com.